Welcome to a podcast here. I'm Nedra Russ, and I've had the pleasure to have an interview with Michael Rubin out of Austin, Texas. He is a master harmonica teacher, sideman, player, uh, just wonderful, quite a bit of knowledge, and this is fun. We're going to talk about his upcoming solo CD. All right, I'm here with Michael Rubin, and he's going to talk to us about some new projects he's got going on. Yeah, thank you, Nedra. So, um, so uh, what I'm really talking about, I'm so excited, is I have a new CD that I've been working on. And for me, it doesn't seem so new because I, I, I've been working on this for a very long time. Uh, first off, this is a solo CD where I'm singing and writing the songs. And obviously, there will be other instruments backing me up, but this is the Michael Rubin CD, which is really the first time I've done this. I did put together uh michael rubin call of my harp which is like a collection of songs that i've done with other people but mostly i've been a side guy my whole life you know and although i've run bands throughout my life i never got serious about putting out a putting out my own cd and you know i'm, I'm gonna be 52 next next month if if you know if i don't start doing this stuff it's not gonna happen you know you gotta make it happen Right. And so I actually started working on it um, in uh, 2019 and was I had a producer and I was all ready to go into the studio around March of 2020. And then if you remember, uh, that's when the COVID fear really started to hit in the media. And um, and so, you know, my wife. uh uh, is her work is where we get the health insurance for our family, including my two children. And her work was uh, experiencing a tremendous drop in customers due to COVID. And there was concern that she might be let go. And she never was, but but there was concern. And I had around, you know, I had enough money to do the CD that I had been saving. And I looked at the situation and I thought it, it's better to, to save my money in case of emergency, because if it goes down to a one income family, you know, where we'd have to get COBRA for our insurance, that would not be good, right? And so I, I put the CD down until around May of this year. So, so uh, around May, I, I, you know, it doesn't mean that my wife couldn't lose her job at any moment, but around May, I said, this is ridiculous. She's still got her job. COVID is, you know, still here, but we've all kind of acclimated to it. And I, I need to start working on my dreams again. And so I called up the producer and uh, he was still willing to do it. And so, uh, so he and I have been working together for a few months. And one of the main reasons, the guy's name is uh, Josh Fulero. And Josh is a great harmonica player, so you, you guys may want to become aware of him. Um, and uh, he also is a guitarist and singer, and uh, most recognized for his work with Marsha Ball, the pianist, singer, and Jerry Portnoy, the harmonica player. So if you look at a lot of Jerry Portnoy's um, like touring stuff, Josh is often, often with him. So in Austin, 
<clears throat> there was this guy, uh, Greg Izor, who's a harmonica player, and he was going to be my producer. And he worked with this band called Little, the Little Elmore Reed Blues Band, which is a joke on Elmore James and Jimmy Reed. But this band has been around forever. And I, for a while, included Dale Spaulding, who is now the singer harmonica player for Canned Heat. And um, <clears throat> so in any case, Greg Iser was the harmonica player and, and he was going to, we were good friends and he was going to be my producer. And then Greg moved to Spain okay. and uh, he's still there. And uh, so I said to Greg, who should I get to produce? And he said, Josh, and I'm real glad I did because Josh is very smart, very knowledgeable, and very calm. And these are all great great things. And he really uh, has been able to guide me through this. I call us co-producers because I've done so much work on this thing. I feel like a producer myself, but, um, but he's really the, the lead producer. And, and one of the main reasons I hired Josh is because he took over for Greg in the Little Elmore Reed Blues Band. And the Little Elmore Reed Blues Band is filled with great players. So I kind of had my eye on using the band for for my backup players. And so I wanted somebody to kind of be the guy to ask the other musicians. That wasn't me, right? I wanted Josh to say, hey, you know Michael Rubin? Well, he's doing an album. Instead of me saying, uh, will you please play with me on my album? <laughs> yeah, know? that helped. <laughs> and uh, so, so it worked. And so... Um, not everybody in the Little Elmore Reed Blues Band is, is on the album, but it's um, Mike Keller on guitar, who you might know from the Fabulous Thunderbirds. He's no longer with them, but uh, just a fantastic guitarist. And this week, you know, we'll get deeper into this, but this week we were in the studio and I, 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 I said, we should call this album the Mike Keller featuring Michael Rubin album because <laughs> it's so good. I mean, he's he's just one of the best guitarists in the world right now. And I can't believe I'm lucky enough to have him on my record. And then on bass, both electric and stand-up, is Michael Archer, who also plays with the Marshall Ball Band. And then um, and on drums is Mark Hayes, who not only plays with Little Armour Reed, but plays with uh, Guy Forsyth. I'm not sure if you're aware of Guy Forsyth, but he's a harmonica player, guitarist, singer, who is just one of the most famous people in Texas. And he and I are good friends, actually. I actually considered asking Guy to produce the album. Um, but uh, so Mark has worked with Guy. So these are all hopefully harmonica players, Josh and, and Guy and Greg Iser, that y'all can check out. And if you don't know about Jerry Portnoy, who I also mentioned, I mean, you know. Well, of course, of course. Um, so when we're done with this podcast, I'd like you to shoot me over all the names so that I can put it under the podcast so everyone can look everybody up. I'll even put links to their websites to help everybody find this information. My goodness, you are, you've are you got a charmed um, charmed happening, I guess is what you call it. You, it's fallen into place for you yeah, there. Yeah. That's fabulous. So the studio is this place called Six Ranch Studio, Six String Ranch. It's run by this guy, Matt Smith, who is an engineer, but he's also a mixer. We have not found our our master, the guy who's going to do the mastering yet, or, or the person who's going to do the mastering. 
but but that's coming. So um, and uh, we've got some extra musicians. There's going to be a pianist who I'm not exactly sure who who Josh has got signed up, and then and they'll also play some organ. And then I don't know if you know uh, the band Squirrelnut Zippers, but Dr. Sick is the fiddle player for them and guitarist. And Sick and I were in a band years ago called Six Pack, and he lives in New Orleans, but we've sent the tracks over to him, and he's going to play fiddle on two tracks. And then I don't know if you know my band, the McMurcy Family Band, but it's an old-time country gospel band, and it's a five-part harmony band, singing harmony. And, um, and so they're going to sing back up on a couple of tracks. So it really should be a very special album. Sounds like it. So, um, so one of the things I feel like makes this album different is it's not just a harmonica player singing 10 little Walter covers. All these songs are mine. And um, I don't know if you're aware of Little Charlie and the Nightcats. Yes. But so <laughs> most, most, blues fans are uh and now rick estrin and the nightcats so rick estrin if you don't know is one of the greatest harmonica players that ever lived and a very nice guy i do know this um rick we we go to his shows i i bring every one of our friends and um we arrive at the theater and and we get to visit with him and yes he's he's local he'll um um he'll so you live in sacramento right yeah yeah he's kind of a local yeah. favorite <laughs> yeah but he's internationally famous and um and not only is in my opinion he's one of the greatest showmen that ever lived he's one of the best songwriters in the blues 100 percent agree and one of the things that he does is he brings humor humor into his blues yes so when i was in college i went to sonoma state so there were two clubs nearby the katati cabaret which is in the county of sonoma and uh, Slim's, which was in San Francisco. And I don't, I don't think either of them are around anymore. But they were yeah, really know. wonderful clubs. And I would go to see Little Charlie and the Nightcats every time. And every time I would go backstage, and Rick would be happy to see me and give me 15 minutes of his time, and listen to me play and give advice to me. And I remember one time we were playing together, you know, and just. He got this huge sound, and I did not, you know. Oh, and, yeah. uh, you know, it was yeah. um, anyway. It was an amazing time, and it really went on for the entire four years I was in college, you know. And um, but the point of the story is, I became convinced that humor and blues was the ultimate combination. And I'm not saying that Rick is my only influence. I like guys like James Harmon and Sonny Boy Williamson, number two, Rice Miller, and uh, Mose Allison, who's not, yeah, I don't know. He's kind of straddles blues and jazz. And I like some guys outside, um, like Jonathan Richmond and Dave Bromberg and Loudon Rainwright, the third. So, but I always was attracted to the whole humor thing. So these songs... They, they all have a sense of humor to them. And I hope uh, when you get to hear them that you'll really enjoy them. And that, um, you know, 
then it won't just be uh, a musical pleasure for you that that your your pretty bone will be uh, healed as well. And uh, yeah, so I've been writing the songs and some of the songs I've had forever, like three songs you might have heard of before, because, you know, uh, I've just been doing them forever. Beer Belly Baby, Kama Sutra Girl and uh, Little Rabbit have been. Uh, but the rest of them are written just for this CD including the title of the album, I'll Worry If I Wanna. Uh, I am a worrying man, and I am tired of people telling me, just relax. I will worry if I wanna. It's To me, worrying is comfort food. I can't understand why worrying makes people uncomfortable. For me, worrying makes me comfortable. So, you know, we're all different, but in any case, that's the title of the album. And, um, and so, uh, just this week, we went into the studio to start recording. And so what we did this week is it was the bass, drums, and guitar, and myself, and the engineer, Matt Smith, and Josh. And, um... I would sing and play harmonica, but we used what's called scratch uh, scratch recordings, which means that the band could hear me in their headphones so that they could kind of have an idea where they were in the song. Um, and I was getting recorded, but with the understanding that most likely we weren't going to use those recordings unless magic struck. It was mostly just a way to help us keep track of where we were in the songs. And in a few weeks, I'm going to go in and record my parts for real. That making yeah, sense? Like, yeah, that, yeah, that makes sense. Right. I was going to ask you how you do that and how you bring it to them. Do they want... Um... Uh, written out music or do you yeah, right. uh, get that type of thing you know because so it's all each part's different each part every every musician is different in terms of how they communicate yeah so i don't know if you've ever heard of the nashville number system but let's say you had uh, a song uh in the key of c and you looked at the c major scale and the notes are c d e f g a b c all the white notes and you would play them in that order, it would sound like do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do. And yeah. if you were to number them, C would be one and D would be two and E would be three. So most musicians don't talk in notes when they start becoming more professional. They talk in numbers. And this is because most instruments have patterns on them physically. And so the locations, for example, if I said play three, two, one, three, two, one, the locations of those numbers would be the same no matter what key you would be in. So it's actually kind of an impediment to think about the names of the notes. If you just know the numbers, you can play the right notes without knowing the names of them. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so it's kind of like on a harmonica. You know, I could take a C harmonica and go... I could take an A harmonica. Yeah. I move yeah. my mouth the same way, 
And the same melody came out, but the A melody was lower than the C melody. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's the same concept. I'm, I'm physically moving the same way. And so it's almost like harmonica tablature, but it's for a um, for the entire musical community. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so what I would do is I would come up with what chords I wanted the bands, the band to play, right? Yeah. And so a progression is what chords you have, what order they come in, and how long you spend on each chord before you go to the next one, right? And sometimes yeah, it's yeah. very simple, like most of us know the 12 bar blues progression, right? And sometimes it's more complex, right? Certain songs I'd really have to get on the piano and figure out, okay, what what do I really want here? Oh, what an interesting chord. Oh, I see what that is, you know. And, you know, so I would write it down. In, uh, when you write down a progression, that's called a chart. Okay. So I would write down the chart and I would hand it to him. But on the chart, it wouldn't say the names of the chords. It would say the numbers. Right. So if it were in the key of C and I wanted them to play a C chord, I would write down one. And if I wanted them to play a D chord, I would write down two. Right. Okay. And I would have little notes about stop here, you know, so like the band would go bum, ba dum, ba dum, ba dum, bump. Right. There'd be a little note saying stop. Uh, right. Yeah. Right. Get um, your hand. <laughs> but, but correct. Correct. But in general, uh, that that was how I communicated with them. And then we got we had two practices. And, you know, interesting things would happen, like like things that I thought were uh, obvious communication, different musicians wouldn't communicate that way. And I would have to find a different way to communicate it to them. Yeah. Know? And and that's, you know. I find it to be the same way when I'm in a band, you know, every musician communicates differently. And one of the main goals that I've always had is to speak as many musical languages as possible. So once I figure out how a musician communicates, I can talk to that particular musician that way. Right. That's, that's wonderful. Yeah. So, so, uh, so yeah, so we went into the studio and what they do is, is they separate everybody. So there's, there's like, um, they call them baffles so that the sound of the guitarist is not bleeding into the microphone, picking up the sound of the drummer. Right. That makes yeah. sense, right? Well, of course, yes. Yeah. And, uh, and so, uh, so everybody got separated. And they couldn't see me. I was in a completely different room, but they could hear me through their headphones. And uh, we didn't, sometimes you use a click track, which is basically a metronome. Metronome, the, uh -huh. Right? And it'll go on yeah. in the ears of the, um, of the headphones, and it'll play throughout the, the whole song. And that is being able to play to a click track is really a skill to itself. And the problem with playing to a click track is if you're really good at it, your music sounds very metronomic, but not so human. When you yeah. listen to like the work of uh, pop music, they're definitely using a click track. 
right? They may be using real musicians, but they are using a click track. And that music is so metronomic that in my opinion, it's a little stale. And so what we would do would be to play the metronome before the song began. And then the drummer would say, would feel that metronome and then say, one, two, three, four, and the band would start playing and the engineer would stop the metronome. So when you listen to the songs, there wasn't a click track. It, it, it was just the band feeling their way through the song, right? But right. The, well, you know, I have Logic Pro, and when I'm recording, I'll use the metronome in, and then it stops. Uh-huh. Totally. Yeah. That's yeah. same kind of thing. Very good. Yes. So quite often, you know, for some of them, I would, I would sing and play while it was going on, especially if we wanted a call and response thing. Like if I, you know, if I, you know, yeah. Oh, baby, you don't have to go. Right. If there was a call and response thing, I would definitely sing. So the guitarist would have something to respond to. Right. But right. if there wasn't the call and response thing going on, quite often I wouldn't sing at all. And I would just say verse, bridge, you know, whenever something was coming up, whenever the song was about to change, I would remind them so they didn't really have to look at the chart to to understand the arrangement, right? Yeah. And uh, so I would just call out what the next step in the song would be. But there were some times when I recorded harmonica, and there there's one song in particular. I've been listening to the tracks in the last few days. And there's one song in particular that I could redo the harmonica part. But the only purpose for that would be to get a nicer tone. And certainly tone is important, but the tone that we got is pretty good. And the timing and the notes and the feeling that I did was exactly what I wanted. Like to the that's point where, great. I don't think I could <laughs> yeah, do that, it. Yeah, that's it. You, yeah, you're gonna have to change it. Better, right? Yeah, so yeah. We're gonna yeah. use that solo, right? Um, yeah. But, uh, so, you know, we spent two days, around six hours a day, uh, nine songs, and um, and so then uh, I've been listening to the songs. You know, I, they sent me the tracks both with and without the, the vocals and the harmonica, right? And the, the, the point of without the, you know, without the harmonica is so that I can and, and vocals, I can practice for the next two weeks and I'll be practicing over the actual songs, right? So I can get a sense, because what I've been doing for a year and a half or even longer, I had a, I paid a friend of mine to play these songs on guitar and I recorded them on GarageBand. And I've just been singing to these same re recordings for a year and a half. And I mean, if you looked at, you know, on, uh, on an iPhone, they've got this, Thing, voice memos where you press uh, record. I use it all the time. Yeah. I have recorded for every one of these nine songs, I've recorded maybe 500 versions. <laughs> you know, and every time I'll sing and I'll listen and I'll say, okay, that doesn't work. I don't like that singing. And hey, that worked. What did I do right? Can I imitate that? You know, and I mean, 
hundreds of times on this song using these, ter- well, not terrible, but these backing tracks that my friend did on guitar, you know, yeah. a couple of years ago. So now I finally have the real backing tracks. So that's nice. And I'm going to spend the next two weeks practicing. Oh, that's wonderful. And in, in, so in two weeks from now, uh, me and the uh, producer will go in and we'll get the pianist in there as well. And we'll get the McMurcy family band to sing the backups. And hopefully the fiddle player will have his part done. I haven't been bugging him, but, you know, I'm, as I said, I'm a worrier. You know, I kind of I want to bug him, but I've been leaving him alone. And uh, <laughs> hey, man. Hey. Hey, it's me again. Get that done. Hey. You know, and uh, and then I'm going to get the you can you can see um, kind of a um, basic album cover. It's I don't know if it's going to be the the final album cover, but if there is, hey. Nedra, I'm going to be honest with you. Part of the reason I'm doing this podcast with you is because I have a GoFundMe, a fundraiser for this. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so uh, so um, it's going to cost around $13,000 to make this CD. So my goal for the fundraiser is $6,500. I figure I, I would hopefully get met in the middle. And um, and we've been doing That would be good. Yeah, we've been doing. Um, the I'll share a link to that. You give me all that information. Thank I'm you. going to put it with the podcast for you. Thank you. Awesome. So, uh, and anybody listening, uh, anything you can do, I really appreciate it. And if, if what you can do is share it, that's great too. Um, so, in any case, if you look there, you'll see a cartoon of me, and I'm doing yoga, but I'm worried and I'm pulling my hair out. <laughs> and then behind me, there's two very relaxed people doing yoga, and they're they're completely. <laughs> They're loving it, but I'm worried. Um, so, so in any case, uh, that we'll sounds have, fun. We'll have all the parts, hopefully, um, by uh, by Tuesday, November sixteenth, I think it is. And um, today is like October twenty-first or something. I don't know. But but in any case, so hopefully we'll have all the parts by then, and then we've got to mix it. So mixing is essentially volume issues, right? Yeah. Some some instruments you want them a little louder, some you want you want quieter, and sometimes you got to do some editing to where you say that doesn't really sound good, right? And you, and you just right. take take it out, and and um, so and then after we mix it comes a very mysterious process called mastering, and I don't think anybody understands what mastering is. But uh, basically what it is, it's also a volume situation. But what they do is they look at the entire album and they try and make sure that there's nothing that's going too low or too loud. Nothing that would shock you when you were listening to it. You know, like a drum hit that BAM! No, yeah, everything that I've done, uh, I let CD Baby uh, master it. And oh, they do it they, great. That's great. Well, you pay. Uh-huh. But... Um, when you're in the process, when I'm in the process of ordering the CDs that I've loaded up, then I pay the extra for them to master, even it out and make sure the timing's right between each. And Because you don't want someone driving their car, listening to your CD or your track, and then all of a sudden the next one comes out on and it's 10 times louder. So they got to turn their radio down. And so that's what I've been doing with the CDs that Julio and I make, but it's much easier for us because there's just the two of us. We're a duo and we don't add anything else to it. Yours is a total amazing project. I, 
sounds wonderful. Thank you very much. Thank yeah. you. Um, I've done duo albums in the past, though, and they're they're just as much work, I think. Um, so so in any case, um, at that point, uh, hopefully the graphic designer will have his stuff ready, and then we'll uh, send it off to uh, a reproducing place where they'll I'll probably make around 300 copies. You know, nobody buys CDs anymore. Ah, uh, yeah. And then, um, and then, uh, you know, probably for a few months, it'll be available through paid download, right? And then somewhere in there, I'll break down because the reality, like I said, nobody buys CDs anymore because they're streaming and I have every CD in the world. Why do I need to pay $10 on your CD? And so ultimately, uh, probably a few months after that, I'll stream it. And uh, so if you're, if you're waiting to streaming, it's going to happen. Um, well, yeah. you know, the thing, what I found, I put on a lot of concerts here in town, and we've done our CD release parties, and people that follow you and come to your shows want the CD still. still. They still buy it. They yeah, still that's... do, and they, they want that in their hands, and that part's really wonderful, but you're right, online, you it's all streamed, and then everything has algorithms, and you... You get your chart of where it's playing, and you get your check. And so for us, that's worked out the best. But when we do a CD, we generally will have a CD release party. And I, at this point, I order like I order them in the hun- at a hundred, uh-huh. <laughs> and that you know, because we're we're in a real small rural area yet, we do okay, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you get the T-shirts and the promo stuff and. And it's fun. I that part of it is is really really the fun part because you've done all the work, and here's the product. Yeah. You know, that's your joy right there when they're all coming up and wanting you to sign it and buy it. So, well, I, that's fun. I'm not sure if I will have a an actual gig, a CD release party, because I would have to hire hire this band all you over again. Hire, you know, or, yeah. or or another band. But we'll, we'll see. I'm not I'm not worried about it. I get to. I, I get to want, yeah. perform all the time. It's it's not that it's not that big of a deal, but it would be my own thing, and that would be nice. Um, but uh, but yeah, um, one thing you know, and I I don't want to play the victim here, but just so everybody understands, some people don't know when you stream, the artist gets around point zero 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 five cents yeah. for every yeah. for every song they listen to. So people who have like a number one hit make around a thousand dollars off of their streaming in a year, right? So right. there, there's zero money for the artists in streaming. So uh, one more plug. So when you do the GoFundMe, that's really the it's like paying the artist for the CD, right? It's 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 your way to give the artist a little bit of money because there's no money in streaming. Um, there isn't everybody. So you hit that link and you go in and help with this because it's a labor of love and it's your heart and soul it's your songs and I, I was just sitting out back telling who because I got one in my head and I I don't care I want my songs to be heard because they're my songs That's right. they come from me they're from my experience and when people hear them and it brings them some relating to your you that's why you're doing it yeah. You've got to get it out. Yeah. Ah, so, that's great. Yeah. So I thought I'd uh, 
if you're willing, if we still have time, um, I thought I'd talk a little bit about um, the uh, um, the equipment I'm using. So uh, besides some oh, acoustic, yes, share it. Share some it acoustic work, I'm using, you know, I went to Dennis Grunling and I said, give me some good stuff. So if you know badassharmonica.com. badass. Yeah, he, he, he sells mics and amplifiers. So one thing I got was a Shure bullet microphone from the, uh, from the 40s, although the crystal element is new and uh, it sounds great. And then I got a amplifier. Uh, it's a Gibson GA40, which is from the 50s. And it's got the name Les Paul on it. Les Paul was a famous guitarist. Yeah, and uh, so it's the Les Paul model. And I'm really excited about this amplifier because it just, when you play two notes at once, that's called a double stop. And when you play three or more notes at once, that's called a chord. The double stops and chords sound so special. It's, it's, hard, it's hard to explain how good it sounds. And then the other thing that I feel like this amp does very well is picks up low pitches. So when I play like a double, excuse me, I, <coughs> I have God a God bless you. Yeah, he's having some allergies or something over there, guys. It's allergies. And, um, yeah, allergies. So, so uh so when I play like a double low F, which I which I am doing on this album. Um, oh, those are so it, nice. Oh, I bet that sounds up, good. It picks it up really, really well. And um, yeah, so I think I, I think I'm going to send you a, um, a track to include that people can listen to. And I will tell you, there is a double OF on this track, but it's acoustic because when we recorded my scratch stuff, we didn't use any amps but just know that this song is just a, when you listen to this song just know that this song is incomplete right it, it's it hasn't been mixed the fiddle player's not on there yet the harmonica is not amplified yet right but but i think you'll like it it's called go milk your own cow and uh, <laughs> and uh it's it's just uh, a fun little danceable song uh, about a guy who has a cow and another person seems to want to milk his cow. Well, that's not going to work. That does not so, work. So, uh, so then. Well, now, now, Michael, when you get the song done and it is yeah. on the CD, we're going to have to do another interview so everybody can hear some of that. All about it. Please, please, let's All do it. All right. So, um, so then I also have an old Supro amplifier. It's a very small amplifier but it's got this beautiful, beautiful crunch. And I can actually combine these amplifiers. I can take plug into one amplifier and then plug that amplifier into the other. And it, it combines the two sounds and it's really, really My cool. Goodness. Yeah. So then harmonica wise, you know, I'm mostly a special 20 guy. And I, when I, when I work with overblows and stuff, I use harmonicas by Joe Spears and I get the stage three. Yeah the stage three, but as far as I know, he's not doing overdraws anymore. He's a, he got a little tired of the work. And so I got my harmonicas before he stopped doing the overdraws. So it's a stage. I have mine too. Yeah. I have, I have all stage threes. Yep. Yeah. And, yeah. And he went to where he's, um, 
he doesn't do those as as much. Yeah. I guess because it is hard work, huh? Is, yeah. is that? Yeah. yeah. Probably you could probably talk to him about it. I'm sure he'd be willing. Um, but in any case, I I fully support Joe Spears, and hopefully I haven't talked out of turn in any way with, with what I just said. I think he's the greatest. Well, exactly. He's fair. Uh, he is the best. It, it, David Barrett is who told me about um, Joe because I was looking for someone back in the day to make my first set, and I was I yeah. I had him do that, and I, I his work is excellent. Yes. Yep. Yep. So, uh, so then I also use some sidles, but for chromatic, I like Suzuki Sirius. And I actually uh, use four different Suzuki Siriuses on this album. One is a 16 hole, one is a uh, bass Sirius. So when I play one blow, it sounds like this. <laughs> nice. And uh, uh, one is a standard chromatic. But then I I also use a tuning called bebop tuning, where four blow is not C. I think you know uh, on chromatic four blow and five blow are both C, and yeah, so yeah. four blow is kind of unnecessary. And so what I do instead is I make it a B flat, and then when you raise it, it goes up to B, and this changes the blow chord from a C major chord to a C dominant seventh chord. And uh, let's see if I've got it here. That's a regular harp. Hold on one second. So it gives you this sound. Oh, oh I'm so sorry. My ear, my ear screwed up. This is the first one. Is it's the special one. So it's kind of got the same sound you get when you draw on a diatonic. Yeah. Right. And what yeah. this enables you to do, besides getting a chord and certain. Um, certain licks become easier. Um, what this enables you to do is to play two notes at once and uh, by tongue blocking, and I can get any combination of C, E, G, or B flat. So whereas most people could get C, E, C, G, and, uh, and, that, and E and G, that's where it would stop. But for me, I can also get C and B flat, E and B flat, and G and B flat. And I can do the same thing a half step up. And so it just gives me a lot more um, options in terms of, of double stop playing. Um, and uh, the other thing I do that's kind of special on diatonic, besides using uh, some low harps, is I, I really love country tuned harmonicas. And a country tuned harmonica, if five draw on a regular harp is um, the fourth note in the major scale of the actual harp, when you play it in second position, cross harp, the key of G on a C harp, for example, five draw is not in the G major scale. So normally the G major scale, do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do, the T note is an F sharp. And on a C harmonica, it's not an F sharp. Five draw is F. And you can produce that F sharp, but you have to do it by overblowing. And overblowing, as we know, creates a different tonality. And sometimes it doesn't pop out. You want it to pop out, and it doesn't. So a country tune harmonica will change that five draw F 
into an F sharp. Okay, and, that, that's good, because I was trying to explain that to someone yesterday, and I did not explain it as well. <laughs> and so what it enables yeah. you to do is get that G major scale, so you're in the main position that everybody plays, the key of G on a C harp, second position, and you get a full do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do scale with only one bend, three double bend is A. Other than that, you don't have to do any overblows. So it's a wonderful harp for playing country music because country music so often uses the major scale, right? Yeah, and yeah. so uh, that's why they call it the country tune harp. And if you listen to uh, um, guys like Charlie McCoy, they're using it a lot. Yeah, I only have one. I have the one that Steve Baker did, I, and I only have it in a C. Because yes. we don't we don't play a lot of country, but I do have one of those. So I have, interesting. I have a full set. I love them. And uh, in any case, I rarely use it for second position. I have found it really sounds good in fifth, sixth, and seventh position. And so um, on this album, if, if you... If you really wanted to study the harmonica stuff that I'm doing, like, hey, what's going on in this song? You're like, I can't figure it out. You may want to think to yourself, could he be using the country tune harmonica and could he be in fifth, sixth, or seventh position? Because I'm gonna I'm gonna pull that on you a few times on the album, and uh, and it, that's a good clue if you're listening to something and it's like, what's going on? That's what's going on. Nice, yeah. And we know there's guys that are going to be going, going to want to know. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. That, that's part of the fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So uh, I, I that's what I came in wanting to say. But if you have any questions, you know. I'm... Well, well, you know, I for for where you live, you're you're in the heart of everything. So you you've got an array of wonderful music all around you that you've been involved in. So this is kind of like a cumulation of everything you you know and have done in your own project. I, I, I my hats off. I think it's it's a brave project. I think it's a wonderful project, and I can't wait to hear it. Uh, here in our little area, we don't have too many studios. A lot of the musicians. Um, well, I do. One one of my friends is working on um, a whole project um, where he's doing the vocals here and some of his guitar work and then they're all in studio um somewhere else and he's done a whole cd that way and it's it's a wonderful cd we just had a release party on it and so there's a lots of ways to do it but you actually get to go and sit in the heart of this wonderful studio with yeah. these people that know what they're doing and so it's going to be wonderful i can't wait i can't wait to hear it you so much i'm really excited about it and i i hope it's uh it everything so far is promising uh really big things you know that it's it's going to be great you know i'm if you know i hope uh you enjoy the song i'm going to send over to you and i hope that you um you know remember it's not complete but uh okay but, but that you like it and uh yeah well, I'm looking so, forward to it, and we'll get this up, and you send me the information of 
send me the written information of things that you, we've talked about so I can put it under the blog for people to refer to. Um, you know, when they're once they download it, they they've got it, but they can go to the site that it's on and find the information out that links back to you. So it'll take me a few days to get everything up and and okay. correct. And I'll, I'll send it to you by the end of the night tonight. Right after you, I have a brand new student, so I've got to uh, do that. Oh, that's so, one. Yeah, if anybody, anybody wants to take lessons, I do that too. You do those via Skype, correct? Sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I. I yes, I do. If, I do know that. Yeah. That's if one. you prefer another platform like Zoom or FaceTime or Facebook Messenger, I do it all. Oh yeah, there's lots of ways now that people are are get, hooking up and getting together to do things like that. That's wonderful. Well, I want to thank you. I thank you for um, giving me the opportunity to talk to you today about what's going on there in Austin, Texas. And um, I got to see you at the Zoom um, spa, which was wonderful, and I enjoyed it and all the teachers there. And hopefully next year we'll get to see you in person and. Um, come up to the booth and I can buy one of your CDs. Nice. Nice. Thank right. you. Okay. I really appreciate you. Thank you for this. You bet. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Well, there you have it. And um, a lot of good information there and things that uh, pertain to harmonica and tuners and people who make the wonderful amps and microphones. And there's there's a lot in this interview that, that Michael's given us here. I'm going to play the song for you as the last part of this. And he sent me over the rough cut, and it is fun. But it's, it's humorous and um, also has quite a few things on harmonica. So you'll hear him talking to the, the people that will be there that aren't. He says fiddle and you know, like he was telling us that these rough tracks are what they're working from. So we're going to hear the rough track, and then when the CD comes out, we're going to do an interview and and hear some more and hear what it sounds like once it's gone through all the transformation with these wonderful producers and studio musicians there in Austin, Texas. So if you like this interview, check out the rest of the podcast. I have another one with Michael uh a little bit back in the list there so stay tuned and um, opportunities come up and I do these podcasts when I can I'm also pretty busy myself um, in town doing things for my Blue Mountain Coalition for Youth and Families and also festivals and shows for Nedra and Julio as well as the Harmonica Lady Original Harmonica Art and Artable Wearable fantastic items. So check out all the links below and you can find more stuff, more information as you go to my website. There's blogs and different interviews and I keep up on this because I enjoy it. It's it's all done out of the goodness of my heart and uh, and my love for harmonica and wanting to get the word out to let people know the versatility as well as the joy of being a harmonicist. Until next time, here's the song over and out. Ha <laughs> ha!